0: Welcome to Coaching and
1: Cocktails, the podcast.
0: Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for part two of our two-part conversation on racism as it begins with me and our special guests, Heather and Rayma, joining Brandy and I to discuss some of the really hard topics at hand right now. I apologize for the little bit of a choppy introduction and the split from the original podcast, but hopefully you enjoyed the first, and we'll be able to continue the conversation with us in this second part. Thanks for listening. You know, so right, so that and that was just a really big, you know, very you know wave top ber- uh, of what that show focused on. That to me was like, oh my God,
2: can I, can I share something, please? Yes. That's so what I we're here hope, to do. <laughs> I hope that you will entertain me very quickly um, because again, my background is in apologetics and it is so amazing how I just didn't even know how so many things tie in together. Um, I happen to be um, reading on dispensation and in um, times, eschatology and whatnot. And I want to say the author's name is Horton, and maybe I'll text it to you later, um, Tina, so people can fact check me on what I'm about to explain. But my overall point in sharing this is to show you how those that control the narrative and are the authors of propaganda, they're in the game for the long run. And if I can reach your children, And as they grow up, they're going to read my narrative and I can paint whatever it is I want. Let me, let me share this with you. So you don't have to be religious to understand what I'm going to say, because I'm going to break it down in the very simplest of, of, of terms so that you don't have to, um, you can be whatever you believe. So right now, if you were to ask religious leaders about the end times, eschatology, um, they would tell you that there's a differentiation between the Jewish nation and the church, which are considered Gentiles. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Where did they get that from? Well, (laughs) there is a popular uh, teacher that came up uh, from something called the Brethren Movement. And his name was uh, C.I. Schofield. Schofield wrote a Bible, a commentary Bible that spoke about a differentiation between these two people. Well, where did he learn from? Well, he learned from a slew of teachers, also from the Brethren movement, who then learned from Martin Luther and John Calvin. Why does that matter, Heather? Well, that matters because towards the end of Martin Luther's life, he was known to be anti-Semitic. He was long known to hate Jews, hate Absolutely loathe them. And he believed, along with many other people in the Brethren movement, that they had to pay penance for disowning Jesus. And so C.I. Schofield learned from these people, wrote a commentary Bible. And what did he do? This Bible is one one of the many credible sources that is taught from in the pulpit. Why does that matter? It matters because what you're teaching, although it may be disguised and watered down, is anti-Semitism. You're teaching uh, a doctrine that was based on a separation of people. You can sugarcoat it in scripture and candy and Skittles all you want, but it's still anti-Semitic. That was the origin. I'm going to give you another example if that didn't put Uh, if that didn't go home, hit home for you. Propaganda. The German people did an amazing job of painting a picture of the Jews. How so? In the newspaper, they would uh, post articles and pictures of the Jewish, of, of, uh, excuse me, the police and military raiding areas that were predominantly known to be Jewish and they would have this headline to say you know suspect this or you know Jewish person this and then all you would see was this picture of the military and like troops invading this ghetto and so as the as the reader of this what picture is that painting for me and my children is stay away from there there's military there's police there's the Jews we we can't We can't stay near them. Why does all this matter today is because we're fostering and encouraging the same atmosphere. When we talk about being uh, knowledgeable and fact checking, um, we have to consider what it is that we're truly, truly believing what it is we're truly accepting and knowing that you have to question the very doctrine and foundation that you stood on because you have no idea who y- your granddaddies, daddies, 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 daddies learned from, which is what you stand on. I hope did that make sense. What I just said. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean,
2: I just kind of had a epiphany
3: while you were talking. And so let me talk this out loud. I mean, I was raised on a narrative maybe propaganda that you like the country started with slavery that was horrible lincoln freed the slaves he's a great hero then some time went by then we had the civil rights movement and i don't there were some crazy white people in the south but martin luther king came and fixed all that and then it's been <laughs> fine ever since until, that is the best narrative yeah, history, I've heard of history. Right? That's and, history. There yeah, you go. There's your there you history go. lesson. We're done. We're done. And, we're and done. done. Well, we're so, done. so then I spent 40 years going like, thank God we got through that, right? <laughs> Until last month. And I'm like, what the fuck? Are you what happened? Crazy? I thought it was it all it. fixed. Yeah I, yeah. I didn't. I mean, in my mind. am a president. I mean, in my, well, like in my educated, my educated mind, I was like, <sighs> well, yeah, of course it's still racist. Like there's serial killers, there's pedophiles and there's racists. There's this bucket of horrible people who should not exist. But by and large, you know, Lincoln fixed it and then Martin Luther King cleaned up the rest, and we're good now. But I just listened to the president a week ago sit on TV and say he's done the most for black people ever in history and going to your fact checking, right? Like two seconds of fact checking. You're like, wait, what? But if that's all you listen to, that is more of the same propaganda narrative that there's nothing to see here. There's no racism. You're fine. And then people who just want to believe that or aren't going to ask questions, then they like, well, what are you complaining about? It's fine. It's fine. it's, but it's, all fine. it's only fine until everybody thinks it's fine. It's not fine just because I think it's fine.
0: Well, and so it's, there you go. And again, this happened. but it's that absolutely 100%. And it is, we view what we want to view through our bias, right? So if I get into my scientific realm and I'm doing research, right? Cause I, I like to research scientific stuff. Well, I can find research that fits what I think the answer is, but I'm not doing myself any service to only look at the shit that agrees with what I think is the hypothesis of, to this thing. I got to look at the stuff that doesn't agree. And then I got to, I got to figure out what's the truth. Right, because uh, another example, Heather, when, uh, when you were over for dinner and we were talking about this bias thing and there was something about a picture, uh, we, we talked about the, the officers kneeling to the protesters and you, you were kind of talking about like, we don't, we don't want this like whole script to get flipped and now it's looking like, you know, the white people got to bow down to the black people and like, you know, whatever. And I think you asked me like, what, 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 what does that mean to you? And so I look at that picture and I think because I'm seeing it through my lens and how I feel and I see somebody who's like I don't know what else to do but I stand with you and and this is and this is me standing with you somebody else could look at that exact same picture and through their lens say well you know, now they're just bowing down to the black people and, you know, and that's not how it's supposed to be or police lives don't matter or whatever. And so we can all, the four of us could look at the exact same picture and think completely different things. Mm -hmm. And that's where, and yes, propaganda is dangerous, right? Even documentaries. So even watching this documentary on the 13th, right? Like I know there's still more I need to research and learn because Every documentary has an agenda every single one. right? So you have to under you know, again, look at it, filter it, Google it, do some more, talk to people about it, and, and because I could be looking at it again with my own lens and, and hearing this thing, and somebody else could look at it and hear something different. So that's why these conversations about these things are so important.
2: Absolutely. And, and not to keep doing a plug on mine, but blank canvas, when you want to do a research, you don't take your already uh, established ideologies to this, to the research, right? Erase the picture that you already have and start again, because you'd be surprised to see what you find out. Some of the things that I've learned that I've, I've changed my views on, on a few things in the past couple of weeks, because it might be to your point, Tina. First, you want to see, oh, yeah, wow, the white people are bowing to the black people. And it's such a show of good faith and, you know, that they're bowing. No, no, get up. Stand with me. Don't do this, what would appear to be this white guilt I don't I'm I'm helpless. I'm so hopeless. I don't know what to do so I kneel to you now. No, I'm not your king. You're not my king. Stand with me. Let's go and educate ourselves. Let's go and repaint what history has whitewashed. And I'm not saying everything is black, but I'm talking about where is my representation? I'm talking about be my friend, stand with me, be my human, my my human, my my peer and fight for equal rights with me because to be it it doesn't have to always be this struggle of power or one person has to be on top of the other and that's what that in my opinion is painting which is why Mm. tina i don't want to keep categorizing you as a white woman and i'm a black woman and brandy you're a what by appearance white woman mm-hmm. uh, and j- right and Rama, you're you're um a mulatto you're a mulatto <laughs> woman but we because these categorizations put us in different places of power on the pyramid and it wasn't until y'all i'm serious i was like all this week i was like something is missing it's it can't just be this something is is not right because i feel like the idea and i wrote this down if we just focus on what we've been talking about, it can be overwhelming. It can be so overwhelming that you just say, I can't do anything. Yep. Yeah. It's it's. I'm not going to do anything now. And you just kind of go into your cocoon and say, this is it. But in small doses, go back and start challenging and questioning. Once I started challenging and questioning, I said, well, Heather, is it enough that you put on kente cloth and took a knee? Is it enough that you out here protesting. Is that, is that going to change anything? Because to your point, Brandy, oh my God, to your amazing, beautiful point. If, if we was, I, I, I wish I could like have a tape and just replay your, your, um, your point of view on the history. Okay. If we were, we came here over. <laughs> re- such a beautiful <laughs> representation. It was not history.
0: It was really was. Nobody that's ever it. needs to go to history class ever again. No, yeah, you're
2: that's welcome. Really, that was but it. That's, that's, thanks. But isn't that what we're told? It was everything is fine now. So if everything is fine, if you're telling me the North and the South came into, together, why do you still hate me? Because is that really what happened, Brandy? Right. Is that really what happened? <laughs> and then I know I, it's not now. I <laughs> know it's not now. And then I started to investigate and I realized, well, <laughs> it doesn't, it's not profitable for us to get along. You understand? Yes. It doesn't make this person group this money for us to get along. And so you set things in place to even when you think you're getting knowledge, you're not. I'll give you a little crumb. Well, I put I painted Black Lives Matter on the street. Done, we're done. I gave you a street
0: sign.
3: Problem fixed. Yeah.
2: We're done.
0: Well, and that's that's where yeah. I'm I'm struggling with you know, and again, I'm I still separate myself from the news quite a bit because now we're seeing like the governor of Virginia wants to make Friday a state holiday, and the, the and and we're painting Black Lives Matter on the street, and we're you know all these things, and to me, it's lip service. It's a band aid. It's a here here. Okay, calm down. I'm gonna do this thing. Y'all, come, we're good, right? It's it's Martin Luther King fixed it all, right? It's the mayor of D.C. fixed it all. It's the governor of Virginia. I fixed it. I'm good. Like we fixed it. We made it a holiday. And that's what's happening right now because it's easy. It's really fucking easy. What we're doing, what the four of us are doing, and what I challenge everybody to do is have these conversations with people you hold the same views, with people you don't hold the same views, with people the same color as you, people not the same colors as you right because this is the hard shit this is not comfortable i this feels it feels amazing it feels amazing right now it's the it's it's hard but this feels amazing right like it just to have this conversation and i look at the shit going on in the news and i'm just like i kind of give you a big fucking fucking finger i'm like fuck you not you but fuck you right like like uh, i mean that's really nice you put black lives matter on the street and you gave it a street name and you want to make Friday a holiday? But that's not fixing anything. It's not fixing the systemic problem. We have to keep going. I mean, that's
3: a jumping off point, right? Like, take all that. We should take all that, right? It shouldn't have taken to now to have right. that be part of our culture. But yeah, that's my fear is that people will be like, okay, we'll work good now. Now I'm going go to I'm gonna go back to complaining about having to wear a mask and yeah. my fucking kid going to school. And that's my fear. Like, this has to keep going through November. Because the only way to make fundamental change is to get in a position where laws and legislation, which is the same thing, can be adapted, right? Like that's the that's the bottom line.
0: Well, and even past November, right? Like it has to keep going. Period. Like well, we, we don't get gotta to say get to
3: November, though. <laughs> we don't. We
0: don't. We don't get to say that just because we elected so and so into office that that our problems are now resolved, right? We don't get to say. That because because this didn't start with one per, with this this particular person in office has it gotten better? That's not a, That's not what we're debating today, right? It it's, has not. It is. But this has been going on like from president to president to president to president. Everybody carries their own part of the baggage in all of this. I mean, really, right? I mean, it's it's got to keep going. And my fear is, and I've had conversations with a lot of my black clients who are really struggling, right? So again, we're talking training nutrition, but me as a coach, I get into stuff with them, right? And they're struggling and they're, they're fearful that this is gonna kind of, right? Oh, fixed it. We're done now. We're done talking about this because that's the easy thing to do.
1: So as we talked about, um, or I had I mentioned about managing energy, um, I know for me, um, you know, as I think about like where am I most active naturally um, and so for me, it's really uh, in my church and in my work environment and so for me, I'm looking at um, what does sustained pressure in those environments for me look like um, because right now i have I have a, a unusual access to very, very, very senior people where I work who are, they're right now, they're, you know, like, oh, well, you know, we we have to do something, we, you know, we can't accept things as they are, blah, blah, blah. And so, okay, then let's have a conversation about about, you know, white supremacy. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, you know, this place where we work that was founded at a time when it was legal to, you know, not give jobs to black people let's talk about that like you know like and what are you going to do differently oh and what are you going to do like thank you for opening up your recruiting pipeline that's great um but what about the next 15 to 20 years until these people you know build their careers to come up into the senior ranks because why are they going to stay here if they walk into the building and all they see is white faces on the wall men and women and so so people kind of have that conversation but like what what's the plan going into this next year, into the next five years to continue the effort? We are beyond um bias training. Like we need to it, it is no longer okay. And this is um and I I took this from this is from somebody else and it, again as I check my own thinking, um, but one of my you know more melanated friends said, um, you know, it is is no longer enough to be to not be racist. You have to be mm-hmm. anti-racist. Yep. And what is that like and then and then to go like what does that mean and so i have a book coming how how to be anti-racist you know you can watch some videos how to be anti-racist because <laughs> just like any other thing we wanted to know right if i want to learn about the you know you know carb cycle timing right for around my workouts i can google how to be anti-racist like i can read some books on how to be anti-racist like i can start you know kind of looking at these things and um and and I'm really examining uh examining and breaking from the ways that I have colluded the ways that I have contributed and um you know and we it's not necessarily the topic of this conversation but like but you know Heather, even putting yourself out there as somebody who typically votes republican like i I totally get flack for that mm-hmm. like it makes people the F out and but what I will say is that I, while I have my opinions on what our defense posture should look like, what our education posture should look like, um, you know, what our legal system should look like, and those things tend to align, you know, with the Republican side. Um, really, I'm kind of more like all the government, get out of my stuff, and more like a libertarian constitutionalist. But, um, but that being said, um, I have never examine each of those things adding race into the equation and like stop freaking out about it, people but let, let's include that in the conversation it may not change my perception of you know who I think has the best solution but we have to put that in the conversation too and I think that will help highlight about how systems are in place um you know to keep people in power in power Um, and then there's everybody else, which includes everybody else going back to Heather's point of this fallacy that, you know, it's a black white issue at its core. Um, when that's just a tool to keep the same people in power,
0: right?
3: Um,
1: it's a, it's a tool to prohibit equal distribution of power. God, that's just, um, uh, Heather, that
0: tiny little diagram. Oh,
1: right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Um, and so if you are not willing to, examine that if you if you're saying that it's too hard then again to take robin d'angelo's language go look in the mirror and say to yourself i am consciously choosing to accept a culture of racism and white dominance and then go about your life like own, own it and i'm not willing to do that i don't know exactly what it looks like yet but i'm you know i'm googling that shit so
2: i uh I feel something about something that you said, uh, <laughs> um, oh no okay well no it's it's not necessarily bad, I'm still trying to walk through it myself, and it's the idea that, well, just go get a book about it, and not that that's wrong, like I appreciate you making that sentiment to saying, look, I don't know, so guess what there's a book about it there's there's a level of responsibility that you're taking, but i f- I fear like. I don't want that to be the approach to things that should be objectively true and right. Uh, But maybe people don't think that because of color. And and this is what I mean, how you said, it's not enough to be racist. We have to be anti-racist. And if you don't know how to be anti-racist, here's a book about it. Do we really have to have a book about how to be anti-racist? But Heather,
1: we do. Because if we're going back to this idea of microaggressions, of this idea of the, the jokes that we crack, and we talk about unconscious bias, like this is not about, you know, like, okay, we, we can, I think on this call, we're, we generally agree that KKK bad. It's, it's not <laughs> yes that, right? I know, we all agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it's not there should be a terrorist So group. being anti-racist <laughs> is not like I oppose KKK. It's, I'm going to, you know, in, in the way that I, that I vote, in the way that I examine my views on these institutions that shape, you know, how, I how I vote. Because um, we each have, you know, the hierarchy, you know, of things that we put together. I, um, pretty much the only place that I struggle with people is single issue voters. That's, that's the only thing where I'm like, I, I, there's no conversation to be had there if you're a single issue vote for, for me. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to say because Really talk about when talk about but we each have these things that you know you know a kind of of these institutions that I named that we have opinions on you know and then from there we kind of build our hierarchy of importance and then from there that that should inform how we vote um, and including race in that and examining that in there to me that that is how we how we contribute to that piece of what does it mean to be anti-racist. again as somebody who as I'm exploring what that means um, to use the the, the analogy of, of this platform for Tina and Brandy, um, you know, we read on our own and we have coaches and we look at videos and we go to seminars and, you know, it is, it's all of these things that go into this. It, and, you know, I wasn't my intent to oversimplify read a book. It was just to say, like, this is 2020, sitting here and saying, I, I don't know what to do, but you know, if you Not wanted to know how to put this little curve in your hair, you would YouTube it.
0: So oh. if you can
1: YouTube your hair, then YouTube something having to do with, you know, these topics. So yeah. when I, can okay. I,
0: can I, I just wanted to say, because, because what I'm hearing from the two of you, Heather is, is what I hear, right? So Rayma's like, Google it, go read a book, right? And I mean, I know it's more than that, but I'm just, I'm going to like, kind of like that. And then Heather is like, no, you got to talk to people and you got to do something, Right. But it's not one or the other. It's, it's Google it, read about it, talk to people, um, do something about it. And most importantly, look inside at yourself as you're reading and talking and Googling and you know watching videos and, and, and whatever. Look in the mirror and say, what am I okay with? Right? Like to your point, Rayma. So it's not, it's just, it's not one or the other. And and some people are going to maybe learn more uh, intellectual ways like reading. And, you know, maybe it's reading all different kinds of things. And some people are going to maybe learn more from talking and some, but I think that we need some hybrid of all of these things. We need to educate ourselves. However, we educate ourselves, right? So all the things.
2: Um, I, I'm trying to find the teacher. and I think y'all probably know what I'm talking about. So I'm not saying either or. I absolutely agree with who Freema is saying. Um, I think I'll make my point by this example, um, is there is certain things that we do that we know are wrong and we try to hide by saying we're ignorant of it. Do you know what's the teacher's name who did the exercise um, back in the 60s, 70s? Um, and she had the group of kids in the class and she said, all blue eyed kids here. All... Do you know the name of the teacher? I can't remember her name. Okay. I, I was trying to do a quick search of it. Okay. But you know, the exercise I'm talking about, right? Okay. Well, she came out, she had another seminar and she had, uh, it was whites and blacks in the, in the audience, mixed audience. And she said, um, okay, everybody, if you want to be black, please stand up. They're like. No, she said, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. If you want to be black and treated as black, stand up. Nobody stood up. And she said, so let's just dispel the argument that you don't know. You can't now hide behind ignorance because there are some things that you know you don't have to read about you don't have to go and search about because there are certain things that you know like Tina you knew you didn't know it maybe you didn't know like all the ins and outs but you were like huh, something is wrong I don't know what but something's wrong and therefore you have a conversation about it mm-hmm. but if you wouldn't change your skin color to be my color right and not just because you just love being the color white right but like if it was truly I, I
0: want a tan
2: I would totally take your skin
0: color. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I would totally take your skin color. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I am. I am. But, I, but to color. your, but to your point, right? right. I don't get to take your skin color and and have this pretty melanin skin without also taking all that other okay. shit that comes along mm-hmm. with
2: it. Right. And that's what she was trying to say was, right. you know, for people to stand behind this, Oh, I, I, I just didn't even know. And I don't see it. Well, there is. And so I guess that's the point that I guess that was the point I was trying to make Is saying like, we have to draw a line with how many books we're going out there and, and saying we're going to get like, you telling me you don't know how to be anti-racist. Like, it, sure, get the book. But to your point, Tina, you better look in the mirror because you can lie to everybody else. You can't lie to, you know, you know. Like that's Michael Jackson said,
0: I'm starting with the the man in the mirror, right? I hate like, that we just took that conversation there, yes. I know, yes. but that, I don't know, and I was about to, but yes. So, so maybe not the best reference, however, but that, but that's where I am in all of this. That's where Tina is personally in all this, right? And I, there are a couple books that I had already heard of that Rayma mentioned that I, I probably will go and read because I need a book anyway. But this starts with me. I know this starts with me. And it and it may not be a big thing like going down and marching on you know, Black Lives Matter Plaza. That might not be the thing I start with. The thing I start with is having these conversations. The thing I start with is analyzing, thinking of things I may have said, things of the way I may somehow be perpetrating um, systemic racism without even realizing it, right? My Again, my own bias. Like... I'm thinking of something as stupid and this stupid and simple as, and, and this may or may not matter, but to me, I'm thinking of this, right it's when when I have a conversation with my husband, right it's like, hey, like when he's telling a story about a customer that came in, why does the story begin with a black man came in and said, yada, yada, Why couldn't it have just been an old man? this mm-hmm. old black guy came in does that does that matter but I'm looking at, and I'm, and in my mind now I'm thinking, why do we have to label? It's just an old man. Right. And then, but I also know that I have, he's told a story and I said, and I say, were they black or white? Mm -hmm. Why the fuck did I do that? Right. Right. In all seriousness, why did I ask that question? Because I always have. Mm -hmm. Because we always put labels on it. Right. And so these are, again, these are like little things. Like, can I start with something as simple as I just don't, it doesn't, I don't need to describe it that way because if we really are supposed to be the same as human beings, then why do I have to say it was an old black woman or it was an old old black man or a, you know, or a white woman or what What difference does that make? Cause it, to me, it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right. And so those, again, little, little, little things I, I'm thinking of like, how can I change this? How can I change this for me? I'll tell you Mm -hmm. what's really
3: helped me kind of weed through what the what. Try explaining racism to a five-year-old. And I found that really interesting, you know, how, because they, my kids don't get it at all. They're like, I just don't get it. And having to process that for yourself and then process it in a way that a five-year-old understands why the adults are all worked up about it. And really, my, my kids now, in their, you know, their very naive sense of the world, are like, well, but people have different hair color and people have different body shapes. And so, what's it matter if you're like to them, it, they don't get it at all. But to your point, Tina, then we begin to take those identifiers and attach a different meaning to them. Mm-hmm. But I think we talked way early. I think, Heather, you probably said it way early in this conversation. Obviously, one of the, the key drivers to Systemic change of the systemic racism is making sure the narrative to the next generation absolutely unequivocally changes. Period.
1: And I have to throw in there that there are in fact books and YouTube videos for how to talk to your kids about there racism. are. <laughs> there and are. Heather just hit her head down on her desk.
3: <laughs> Heather passed out when you said that. <laughs> we lost Heather. She's- so, so
0: my husband tells a story. Speaking of the next generation, right? When he was a kid, his best friend, Henry, was black. Talks about his best friend, Henry, all the time. And Eric grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood and, you know, and and so he was known as White Boy Irk because they, you know, and and he tells, you you know, White Boy Irk these stories. And boy, White Boy Irk is fast, right? Like, it, these are the, you know, the stories of him growing up. And he said his friend, Henry, his parents gave him a book that's that was called, I think it was called Kill Whitey. Yeah. So, you know, him, it was some, something along those lines. Eric, I'll, I'll make sure and correct it in the, <laughs> you know, in the podcast notes, but it was something along those lines. And he was just like, you know, I, I, I didn't understand. Right. And then, and I think to another incident, when Nicholas was in elementary school, and Nicholas, you know, again, Eric and I, we've made these jokes. Like, we're like, Oh, everybody knows Nick. Cause he's like snowflake. He's like the only white kid. in, you know, in all black school, I live in a predominantly black County. Right. So it, it is what it is. It cause, so he's going to be the minority. And I, he got in trouble. I got a, I got a call from a teacher when he was in elementary school because he called a black boy, a black boy. Right, and, and this boy said, you know, and, it was because the, the the black boy said to Nicholas, he was like, you, you stupid white boy or something like that. And so Nicholas responded like, well, you're a stupid black boy. And Nick got in trouble. And mm. in my mind, I'm like, well, well, you are white. So what the fuck was your problem? Right? Like, why, why did you get mad that the kid called you a white boy? You're white. Like, you know, right. but, but it was just that, that incident, right? It was right. just like, the black boy called Nick a white boy and Nick called the boy, the black boy, a black boy, which they are. Right? right, but it was the, however, it was perceived by the teachers and the adults around them, and these kids probably, these were, be was little at the time, we were talking like maybe first, second grade, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they probably are just like, well, you're a white boy, and I'm a black boy, and I'm just calling you
2: stupid, right, it's like a, your mama joke, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. right, but the
0: adults in the room,
2: the thought it otherwise. The the children will believe whatever you tell them. When I was growing up, my father would say we had this when I we we were pulled out of school, I was homeschooled. But before I I was homeschooled, I remember my father telling us you are not black. It didn't register to me what he was saying. It was just like he showed me a crayon. He said, "This is the color black. This is the color brown. You are brown." He said, "Do you look like this black?" I said, "No." Said, so then, are you black? I said, no, I'm brown. So my brother <laughs> goes to school, and sure enough, they have this like cultural class, and they're like, I want you to write down on the paper what color you are. Which, when you start thinking about that, like, what kind of assignment is that? My brother writes brown, and my teacher says, no, Rodney, you're black. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm brown. <laughs> Do you know? He got into the principal's office. My father and mother had to go to the school. And my, they had to, he, he had to explain himself. Like they, all of them, my, my, my father, my mother, my son. Well, he, you know, the teacher's like, well, he calls himself black and that's not the or calls himself brown. That's not the assignment. He's causing trouble. Oh, is he now? And it's, it's to that point is that's an uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversation that we have to have. And I, and I would challenge all the listeners to say, what say ye? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what do you you think to to what tina said was it wrong that he said you're a white boy and the white boy says you're a black boy was it wrong that my brother said he's not black but brown because wherever we find ourselves on look i'm not gonna say nothing on this podcast but wherever we find ourselves on the side of this conversation right you're gonna reveal some things about yourself Mm
0: mm-hmm Absolutely. Wherever you find yourself so. is
2: where you are. And that's where you need to find yourself and check yourself. If right? people might laugh about what you just said, but, but seriously, you said wherever you find yourself is where you are. Truly, truly consider that. I wish you could say that again. Wherever Security. you find
0: yourself is where you are. And that's okay. Maybe. If you don't, as long as you don't stay there. As long as you don't you stay there. To check where you are. And then you have to figure out how you make it better how you become a better person yeah right so that's the check yourself part right so it it but, but that that is where we are right now we are in the check yourself realm we are in the look in the mirror realm we are in the stop you know we are in the listening for understanding realm we are not in the well well but i'm not privileged realm we are you know we are in the sit down, shut the fuck up and listen Realm. I mean, that, 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 and, and that that's me, that's Tina Speak, that's where, that's where I am, right? And I want to tell some stories from my own experience so that you may, too, also understand me so that i can better understand you right so that we can have a two-way conversation so maybe you can help me understand what that meant in that moment for me when i said those things right or when i did those things right i grew up in a racist household my father my stepfather called this is, and this is me. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Cause that's what I do called Sandy Point beach because it is med- med- predominantly brown skin people that go there. I called it chicken bone beach. Racist. We know what that means, right? Right. My, because I, my preference was to date black boys. Mm-hmm. My grandfather at the time who has changed his ways over the years, thank God. But my grandfather at the time said, if you marry a black, uh, a black man, you'll be disowned. My, um, one of my mother's girlfriends said to me sitting, I remember sitting in in the kitchen, Tina, but you're so pretty. Why would you date black boys? And then my favorite, my favorite one that is stuck. And these are, we're talking 30 some odd years ago at this point, 35 years ago. And I remember these things. Why do you date black? Why do you date black boys? Is it because you feel sorry for them for what happened to them during racism? Oh yeah, that's it. That's definitely the one, right? So these are, these are just, right? These are, these, this is what I grew up in, right? And so I have to challenge. So even though I call myself, I'm not a racist, Right, and Brandy and I had this conversation yesterday, and again, my own sort of spiritual awakening and all of this is I have been arguing unconscious bias till the fucking cows come home. It's not, I, I keep saying it's not all racism. Everything we're calling racism isn't racism. Some of it's just our our the the bias, and we just don't realize it's there. And I said, but wait a minute. Like literally, as Brandy and I were having this conversation yesterday, I said, Is that my way of making myself more comfortable with softening the blow for myself, say, I'm not a racist. It's just, it's just, it's these like intrinsic biases that I was that I grew up Ra- Racial biases. They intri- yeah. These, because it's not that I'm biased towards potato chips, right? But that's yeah. not what we're talking about. We're talking about which you are. I, <laughs> I totally am. Um, but it's, is this, is, am I softening the blow to myself, making excuses, making it easier for me to consume by saying, I'm not racist. It's just these intrinsic racial biases because of how I grew up. Is that an excuse? Is that any more of an excuse than for me to say, "Yeah, well, you know, my mom was a drug addict, and everybody's got mental illness, and so I'm just going to be this way over here because that's just me, because that's just how I grew up." Well, that's not enough. That's not okay. And it's 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 not how I live my life in that realm, right? I'm like, no, I I'm, I got to be better. I gotta. I gotta do better. So in this racial realm. I have to do the same, I, so, so I don't know. I, I don't know if I've been making excuses for myself to make it easier for me to consume my own emotions, right, about bias versus racism. And so again, looking in the mirror, trying to figure out what, it, what, what is it truly, right? So, so those, are, those are the kinds of things that, you know, you know, I caution people when they are looking at themselves, like again, the stories we tell ourselves, the lies we tell ourselves, right? This is a story I've told myself for my entire life and now I have got to challenge the story. It's like challenging history, like Brandy said, Martin Luther King fixed it, we're good, right? And I can't say I'm good. I'm not good right now, right? Like. I'm not. And, and I, and I need to be better. So that's where I am face down in the arena, trying to have these conversations with my, you know, my beautiful friends of with more melanin in their skin than me so that I can understand. And so that we can be better, do better. I don't know. That's where we are. That's where I am.
2: So I appreciate you sharing that because, um, I think it comes down to we were talking about a tablespoon versus a cup versus the bucket. Um, and so even to appease ourselves, we said, well, I can handle this tablespoon of hate that I get dish out because so mind you, I come from the Marine Corps and it ain't no boundary. There is no far reach that we won't go to make you feel uncomfortable to dish you, to talk about you. I mean, some of the conversations that are had are just would make your mom blush. Okay. Um, same thing with the police officer, same in the police force. And so I, when I say I grew up, because I was, I joined these organizations when I was 17. So, I mean, I grew up with this and it was kind of like, this is life. And so, yeah, we all have to look in the mirror and say, how have I contributed, whether by saying something or not saying something, it doesn't necessarily have to be white or black. Hate is hate, spreading it is spreading it, no matter how little or whether how much, um, and i and i want to and i want to say this because something that um because i don't want to i want people to understand that and addressing the problem like you said it is so much about you also looking at yourself um for me i i always would go to the uh, holocaust museum because i would have to go as a police officer every quarter with the uh, new officers because um it's, it's actually a mandate now you have to not now but it's always been a mandate and the, I think the Bush administration started it. Um, anyway, so I would go and I would always kind of just cry because I would say, Heather, what do you stand for? Like, do you stay involved? Do you Are you staying aware of politics and enough to, when I say get involved, be like really involved as a... Citizen, and not just voting, you know. And I said to myself, no. And for years, I just felt helpless. And even in this, like, I just felt like, what do I do, you know? And um for me, which is why I said the the podcast and the like with Tina, what you're doing. And I said, I, you know, I want to take it a step further for me personally. Like, I would really love to get qualified and 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 take a position um within my government to be the first part of change you know um and maybe we've been doing that all along right like working in government and working in the military and working in the police officer not working as a police officer not even realizing that with our morals and standards we're doing this but I want to be more intentional like knowing and more aware that I'm that I'm doing this if that makes sense because I was never really intentional before and so I think now what I'm going from all of this is being more confident and aware eyes opened um intentional with my words and my message on how to on how to establish that change
3: I think that's that's an amazing capstone to the conversation right because it all boils down to being intentional Every single one of us have a responsibility at this point yep. to be intentional to be part of the solution or you're intentionally being part of the problem.
0: Right, right. So, I mean- Because that, it's no longer okay to just sit on the fence and pretend like the world right. around you there's, isn't there's actually no, happening.
3: Man, this has been such an amazing conversation. I would go as far as say this is probably one of the most powerful conversations I've had. And I thank you guys for participating in it you know personally right like i don't i don't do uncomfortable right and i don't do emotionally uncomfortable like i'll go run 32 miles for you but i don't want to have a feelings talk so personally this was a big milestone for me
0: and i i know that to be true simply because i've mm-hmm. I, and i and i was wondering right because you guys so yesterday when brandy and i were talking about having this conversation because it was kind of a last minute thing as all our podcasts are <laughs> but we were not on the, we were not on the same page. I don't think initially like how we wanted it to go, because I am a very get into the hard shit of your feelings person. Like I, I dig that shit. Like it's my jam, right? It's, it's uncomfortable. I like the physical uncomfortable stuff too, but I, I've known Brandy for years and it's not what well, she's really good at it, but she doesn't like it. She doesn't want to do it.
3: <laughs> I worry so much about offending people.
0: Yeah. Right? And I feel
3: like this is, such an important topic, obviously, like <laughs> I, you know, and I think that I probably am not alone. There's probably a lot of people like me who that is holding them back from talking about it. Cause I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. Um, so I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to grow some confidence, to be able to have these conversations. And I, I mean, I almost feel like we have to end this podcast with like a dot, dot, dot. Because there is no, we're not, we can't put a bow this on. This isn't the
1: end, no. Thank, thank you for saying that, because I, I was sitting here thinking at that, like, you know, where, how, how is this conversation going conti- to continue um, if you're leveraging your platform that is, you know, it's focused on training, nutrition, and life? Um, mm-hmm. you know, how are you going to continue this as being a, a topic of conversation conversation mm-hmm. from now until forever that you guys are doing this.
0: I think we need to, we need to figure that out. Right. So I I
1: think we have a responsibility to do We
0: absolutely have a responsibility and we have, you know, uh, put our arms around other causes like, um, um, like the, in the backlog and uh, with rape testing and, you know, other, other women's women's advocacy, women's other women's advocacy types of things. And, and so we, I feel socially responsible to do something more. I, I still don't know what that is. And I think we'll have to feel our way through it, but this is absolutely not the end of the conversation. Um, No. And to Brandy's point about offending people and how I feel about that. No, I don't want to offend people either. And I know that I have in the past, right. I mean, we had an example with, with both of you who are my very close friends. Um, But if we if, if we stay silent because we're too afraid to offend, that in and of itself is going to be offensive, I think. So that's kind of, I think the risk of staying silent is far more dangerous than the risk of potentially offending somebody in an effort to to understand, right? Because I think it's all an intent. Um, and if somebody knows your intent, are pure, and then it's not going to be as offensive. It may still sting a little, right? To hear somebody say something like "Ooh, I didn't know she felt that way," but we don't. I don't think we make progress otherwise. There's going to be hurt feelings sometimes, and there's going to be some painful and awkward conversations. But that's the only way this works to me. So, on that note, okay. do you guys have anything else to add? I mean, aside from, and I, I will say to both of you. The reason I am so comfortable in my vulnerability and, and being able to have these conversations is because of you guys. Because I've never been able to have conversations like this until I had, you know, Heather and Rayma in my life who gave me the space to have the, you know, one, to check me when I need to be checked. And to um, allow me to sometimes be the white girl that doesn't know, right? And to just, you know, allow me to allow me to learn, right? And and have these conversations with me without judging me, and that means the world to me.
2: Uh, I just want to end my note on. I appreciate. Uh, the emotion is in my voice right now. <clears throat> I appreciate being able to talk to you all and i really quite honestly um believe that we're only united by knowledge um and that is the knowledge of love um is what unites us versus the knowledge of hate and so i know that we are separated by melanin um that's what the world wants us to to believe and categorize us but um, I look at you all as my sisters because you say that you love me and that's what unites us and keeps us together. And, and that's it.
3: That's beautiful. Ah. I know. Sorry. Okay.
2: So, um, on that
0: note, <laughs> I think this is yeah. probably going to end up being a two parter as far as, cause this was about a two hour podcast. Yeah. Um and I don't think this is the end of the conversation by any stretch of the imagination and I think maybe we figure out a way to have more of these expand on them somehow um, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like yet. We're open to ideas. We're open to your ideas, Heather, Rama. We're open. Brandy and I will talk. We're open to people who listen. If you have ideas, if you want to come on and talk, if you want us to do a roundtable or, you know, if there's other things that we can we can do mm-hmm. on this platform, we absolutely welcome all of it. Um, and, yes, and um, right, right? Yeah.
3: Now. I mean, and thank you guys again, Heather, Rama. Thank you so much for for doing this with us. And I guess we sign off, right? It's still applicable.
0: It's still applicable. Don't get weird.
3: Use your head. It'll all be okay. okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Don't
0: hang up. That's just us saying goodbye. Don't hang up yet.